0: When did you know you wanted to devote your life to being a working adventurer? I began daydreaming of life as an adventurer in my first year at university to get me through boring lectures and working long hours in the pub to save travel money. It was nothing more than that though, a dusty daydream in the recesses of my mind. I didn't imagine that I would actually be able to get by without having a proper job. My early adventures were not only precious experiences in themselves, but they also paved the way to becoming a working adventurer through a gradual sequence of stages towards acceptance and ownership. First, I had to define the direction I wanted to go and believe it myself. Then I had to dare to describe myself that way online and finally say it to real people face to face. I still never manage to do this without air quotes, deprecation, and explanation. Adventurer is a ridiculous job description for a middle-aged bloke. When someone asks me what my job is, I usually say that I'm a writer, despite that not making up a majority of my income. Yet, he adds, in hope, writing does occupy a majority of my working time, though, so perhaps that is what I am. After all... We are what we repeatedly do. At other times, when I can't be bothered with the inevitable conversation that follows from saying I'm an adventurer or a writer, I say I am a teacher. I was a teacher once upon a time, after all. And if I'm in one of those dangerous situations for introverts where you can't escape your inquisitor and the horrors of small talk, I shut down the conversation fast by saying that I'm an accountant. Experience has shown me that this leads to very few follow-up questions and then I bury my nose in a book. Upon returning from cycling around the world, the financial urgency of paying rent thrust me immediately into a semblance of the writing and speaking work that I still do today. I didn't consider that it would become a permanent way of life. I was only getting my feet back on the ground after four years alone in strange corners of the world. I was also busy applying for real jobs at the same time. The army, the fire brigade, a travel agency, a charity, schools. The variety of these shows that I was not pursuing a clear vocation yet. Fast forward through various bits and bobs and I became a full-time teacher at a school in London. I enjoyed it but I was also busily writing a book and hustling for paid magazine articles and talks around the margins of my days and in my spare time. The idea of becoming a working adventurer was beginning to take shape. The independence appealed. Being my own boss would allow me to be flexible with my time, earn money from my hobbies and not have to wear a suit. At some point in that school year, it dawned on me that I was 30 years old it was perfectly plausible that I could now remain teaching in that school for as long as the entire span of life I had already lived. The prospect appalled me. I also knew that I could be a good teacher aged 40 or 50 or 60. But if I still wanted to pursue hard expeditions, which I did, then I ought to get on with it while I still had gas in the tank and few constraints in my life. I told the head teacher that I wanted to leave. Cue the delightful terror of waking up on Monday morning with nowhere to go, no suit to wear, nobody to answer to and no money coming my way. From that first day of self-employment, I knew that if I was to reconcile this reckless career decision with my conventional sensible work ethic, then I faced a hard, scrabbling climb to establish myself and make a go of it. I was never under any illusion that I was plumping for an option that was less work. Yet equally, I've never since been under any illusion at how lucky I am to have found work that is enjoyable, unshackled, mentally and physically stretching, carefree, vaguely useful and sufficiently remunerative. Quick question. If you could have been part of one of history's great expeditions, which one would you have chosen? Even though they all died, spoiler alert, I've always had great admiration for the spirit, kindness and friendship inside Captain Scott's tent on his doomed final journey. I wish I could have been there to whisper a couple of suggestions that would have saved their lives with the clarity of hindsight. I would love to have tagged along with Mallory and Irvine to see if they made it to Everest's summit way back in 1924. Although, given that they both died, spoiler alert, and were dressed like a pair of geography teachers in woolly jumpers and tweed, I'm not sure I would actually have wanted to be tied in on their rope. Since reading Over the Edge of the World, I have been intrigued about dropping off the edge of the map with Magellan and his crew. Imagine setting off to sail the Pacific with no idea of how big it was or what land you would stumble upon next. But, without doubt, my dream adventure would be to have stowed away in the Lunar Module Eagle with Armstrong and Aldrin and landed on the moon. What an astonishing adventure!